0: Welcome to the Life House Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. So this morning is part three of our Usual Suspects series. And for all the, uh, the Gen Zs in the house, this is actually a movie. Who knew it was a movie? Seb. Did anyone, know, did anyone else know it was a movie? Maybe three people. Did I, I sent a picture to, to the back. Do you have it? A-Train? That, that, that's what it is. It's a movie. And I went to look it up um, to watch it, but it's, it's rated a bit too high for, for me, you know? So anyway, maybe don't look it up, but um, that's what it's from, the usual suspects. And this morning, we are looking at suspect number three, who is Rahab. So first week, uh, Nakia and Danielle talked on Leah. Last week, Holly, whose birthday it is today. Happy birthday, Holly. Holly and Tegan um, spoke on Ruth. And this morning we are speaking on Rahab. Her story is found in Joshua 2 and 6, as well as a few mentions in the New Testament. So that's exciting. But I thought before we go any further, let's pray. Um, And I had a bit of a verse that I just wanted to share it's not really a part of my message, but, you know, kind of works in well from Matthew 23. And it's um, a little moment that Jesus has, our Lord and Savior, when he was on earth. Um, he comes before Jerusalem and he, his heart just kind of breaks for the city. And he says this, um, sorry, it's not on the screen. Um, it says in verse 37, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. God's heart is to gather us together like this this mother hen, you know, gathering her chicks and bringing them in and keeping them safe and offering them love and protection. And that is his heart for you. That is his heart for us. Um, And my prayer this morning is that each of us will be willing to do that. And so I just want to pray that before we get into the service, that, that we will um, kind of open our hearts up no matter the week that we've had. Sometimes um, our hearts can go a little bit hard, but I'm just praying this morning that, that our hearts will be soft, that we will be ready to hear what God has to say to us. And just be ready, just to just to be drawn into our loving Heavenly Father. So. Father God, we thank you that you long to gather us together. And I ask this morning that each of us will be willing to to be gathered near you, to hear your voice and to hear your words, to be nestled underneath your wing, not to be uh, hearing anything else other than what you have to say. So we just ask right now in the name of Jesus that all... Um, all lies from the enemy, anything that that might be not of you, I just pray that that will be quiet and that that will be ceased and that instead we will hear and know the truth that you speak to us, which is that you love us, that you forgive us, that you cherish us and that you want us near to you. So God, we say, will you have your way this morning? In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, Amen. amen, amen. Well, question for you this morning, have you ever needed rescuing? Anyone? I have <laughs> too many times I think I've shared quite a few stories of you know me kind of getting lost in my car in Bahana once and you know I needed rescuing and um, yeah do actually a lot of times with my car to be honest times where I've nearly gotten hit by a car because I was trying to save a stool on the side of the road um, but one time I remember at um, the end of 2019, the summer of 2019, we were out and about, it was actually the first week of summer, right before Christmas festival started, um, and I, me and my friends were like, let's, let's go out, let's have some fun, let's um, go get some exercise and have a swim at this like kind of secret little swimming hole in the Adelaide Hills, right? We thought that sounds like a really good idea. So we jumped in the car, I remember we got there, um, it, we'd been there once before and I was so excited, it's like this beautiful, it's, it's absolutely stunning, it's beautiful little place and I'd slapped on some sunscreen and got everything ready together and um, to get onto the path, which isn't really a path, it's like kind of a bush bash sort of way down to the river, you have to um, stand, well not stand, you have to jump over a little guard rail, which is seriously about this big. Anyway, I stepped on this guardrail to step onto the path to make my way down to the river. Um, and the first step I took after I was on this, this rail and I jumped off of it, I, I, something happened and I fell over. Like my ankle, I don't know if it snapped, but I was in the most pain I have ever been in in my whole life. Like, and we hadn't even started the journey. I'd just jumped off and I'd rolled my ankle and I remember rolling around on the ground and when I'm in pain, I pass out. I literally pass out and can have a little bit of a fit. I don't know why. I don't have any proper issues. It's just called exaggerated fainting, basically. And so I passed, though I didn't quite pass out, but I was lying on the ground. My face was like going white and I'm just like, just chop it off. I got another one. Like, I don't need it anymore. This is so painful. So after I'd kind of calmed down a little bit, I remember everyone's kind of gathering around me, like, what's going on? You're so weird. We haven't even started the walk. Um, I thought, and we all actually kind of thought, well, you know what? Maybe it would be good if we continued the walk anyway. You know, like, surely the water will do something good for my ankle. So we should walk down this bush bash path down the rocks and get to the water. So I'm like, okay, let's do that. Mind you, I couldn't walk. Seriously, I couldn't, put any, I couldn't put any weight on it. So I had people kind of like either side of me, like kind of half carrying me down this hill until I was like, even the movement of kind of swinging my leg was hurting. So yes, I had to get carried back up the hill. Um, it was a 40 degree day. Remember there was definitely sweaty piggyback rides involved. Um, because there was no way that I could have gotten myself out of that mess. Literally, Mitchell Austin, thank you, he rescued me. Um, That was probably the second most painful part of that. No, I'm kidding. Sorry, Mitch. Thank you. I am grateful. Uh, But anyway, it was was painful. There was no way I could have gotten myself out of that. I I needed rescuing, even though I got myself into the mess in the first place. I needed rescuing. And Rahab is a woman in the Bible who needed rescuing. Her story is set in Jericho, which is one of the, the biggest cities of Canaan at the time who were enemies of the Israelites, God's chosen people. And Jericho was known as the most like fortified city. It had these huge, big, thick walls around it. And the understanding was that if they could overtake Jericho, If they could um, triumph and win and defeat Jericho, then all of Canaan would be defeated and it would be theirs and they would be walking into the promised land. Joshua was leading the Israelites at this time. He'd just taken the reins from Moses. And so he decides, all right, I'm going to send some spies into the land to check it out, to make sure that it's, you know, fair dinkum. So he sends these guys out there and they manage to get into the city of Jericho. And whose house do they go to? They go to Rahab's now Rahab was a prostitute and let's just be clear there's nowhere in the in the Bible that says that they went there because of that reason uh, we, uh, we don't know maybe it was because it was the only place open at the time that they came in I don't know maybe because it, they thought it's the last place that the authorities would check either way they end up at Rahab's house she lets the spies in she covers for them she hides them in the top of, of her roof she covers them with like these plants or something and And the king of Jericho hears about it. And he's like, Rahab, what are you doing? Get them out of there. And she's like, what? What do you mean? Spies? I didn't know there were spies. Either way, they've gone. So she covers for them, um, sends the the, the guys who'd come for the spies on their way. And she goes up that night and she she has a bit of a conversation with them, which um, we read about in Joshua 2. Verse 8 says, Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. She literally gives, like, this kind of prophetic word to these guys that God has given you this city. she she says, I've heard of all these stories of what your God has done for you, how he's literally ripped open the ocean so that you can walk on dry ground, how he's defeated these people that you shouldn't have been able to defeat. And she's prophesying and encouraging. And then she's saying, but also, you know, when your big army comes, can you please spare my life? And so they make this little deal with her and they say, sure. In verse 14, it says, our lives for your lives. But one thing they said, in order for us to do that, you need to make sure that you hang this red scarlet cord outside of your window so that when our troops come, they know, all right, that's Rahab's house. Don't, don't hurt her. In fact, rescue her. And so she does that. She, she gathers as well her family. They say anyone who's in the house is going to be safe. She gathers her family. She hangs the cord outside of the window, and it plays out exactly the way that he said. When the enemy... Oh, sorry, not when the enemy... When the Israelites, the good guys, when they came in, they marched around the city of Jericho seven times. You might have heard it before. On the seventh day, they marched around it seven more times. And then it was like this miraculous crash of the walls. The walls caved in. The army advanced in. They captured the city. They did what they needed to do. Everyone was killed other than Rahab and her family. They were rescued, they were brought into the family of Israel. Now, I'm not very good, like, with history. I don't... I should know a bit more about wars and all of that because, that, you know, it's important to understand that. But one thing that I, I think I understand is that most of the time when uh, an army takes people from the place that they're defeating, usually they're called, like, prisoners of war, right? And they don't treat them really nicely. They'll throw them in camps. They'll make them their slaves. They'll interrogate them. They'll... Um, do horrible things to them. But mind you, the Israelites are the people of God, right? And I just, I love God so much because He's so polar opposite to what, what the world does. When they, when they attacked, when they brought her into the family, they did not treat her like a prisoner of war. Seriously, quite the opposite. she literally became part of their family. She wasn't below them. She wasn't um, you know, made to, to, to wash the floors and do all these things. Like even though she was a prostitute, even though her old life in this city that was full of evil, it was full of um, false gods, it was full of all sorts of horrible practices, even though that was her background, they brought her in. And guess what? She leaves her old life behind, and she actually marries a prince. She marries a prince of Judah, called Salmon. Very unfortunate name, but she marries a prince. And if you marry a prince, what does that make you? A princess. Oh, sorry, it sounds lame, but it's not lame. She literally becomes a princess in Israel. Like mind blown. Instead of treating her like scum, she's she becomes a princess. From Prostitutes to Princesses. That's a good sermon title because that's what God did for her. He restored her. He gave her a brand new life. And guess what? They had a kid. So obviously we know that she, she, she left her old ways, her old work behind her. She was faithful in her marriage. They had a kid. Guess who the kid was? Boaz. Okay, if you were here last week, you would have heard that Ruth's rescuer, redeemer, um, her new husband was this marvellous man of God, Boaz. Boaz's mom was Rahab. What a story of restoration. God is so good. He doesn't just rescue people. He didn't just rescue Rahab. He restored her. He redeemed her. That is the God that we serve. Even more than that, if that's not enough, Rahab not only was the mother of Boaz she was the great great grandmother of King David himself and he wrote like if you don't know him he's kind of a big guy in the bible like he wrote the biggest book of the bible the um what's it called Psalms (laughs) I think I'm Christian (laughs) I am (laughs) um he, he wrote that like what a legacy that she had and I think sometimes that even though we, we, we might not say this out loud, I think sometimes even within our heart, if we've had a bit of a past, if we've had a bit of a history, which is all of us, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, sometimes we can fear that God's going to treat us a little differently. Sometimes we, we fear that maybe he, you know, he, he loves us and He rescues us, but He's just going to keep us at a bit of a distance, 1.5 metres away from us. He doesn't do that. He rescues us, but He brings us in. Like like that verse I read right at the beginning that he wants to gather us like a hen gathers her chicks, like right underneath his rings, wings, right in close to us. He just loves us so much. Rescues, restores and redeems. That is our God. We're going to be fast forwarding right now, a couple of thousand years ahead um, to John chapter 8. Uh, where we read about Jesus and um, the Son of God, right, fully God, fully human. Um, He comes to earth, and um, he has an interaction with a lady. And this is what it says in John 8, verse 2. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before him, stand before the group, and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus, he bent down, and he started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Neither do I condemn you. You know what? We have a God who is the same. Yesterday, today and forever. His posture towards us, his posture towards you never changes. His posture towards Rahab was to bring her in, to love her, to set her free, to give her a new life, a hope and a future. His posture towards this woman was to bring her in, was to forgive her, was not to throw stones or to judge her, but to bring her in and give her a new life, offer her a new life. And that is his posture towards us. The Bible says that that God literally says to us that he sends his son into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That is what our God does. That is who Jesus is. He is a God who saves. He is not a God who condemns. His posture is always the same. He never changes. And I love that. I love that God is consistent. You know, some people close to me will know that I have a weird obsession with Stephen Marshall. and, And constantly refreshing, you know, my Facebook page to see what the new changes are in the restrictions. Because who knows, they change all the time from one day to the next. Sometimes you can't literally know where you stand. Like, am I allowed to stand here or do I have to stand here? How many people in the room? You know, masks, no mask, that sort of thing. It changes all the time, but God never changes. His restrictions on you never changes. He never says, all right, come in close. Oh, wow, I didn't know that you'd done that. Gosh, you stink! Stay away. You know we'll reassess in seven days and and see. You know maybe if you can come into the home again. No, he says you're always invited into my home. You're always allowed with me. You're always allowed to be close to me. He made a way through Jesus Christ so that we could be close to him. You know Jesus doesn't throw stones at us. I love that the Pharisees did something that they didn't even know was right at the time, but they brought this, this woman who was caught literally in adultery. Can you imagine how she was feeling? Caught in the act. that they, would ripped her out of someone's bedroom. And they brought this woman before Jesus. She would have been feeling so humiliated. She would have been feeling so much shame, so much guilt, so much fear. What's he going to do? These people are literally around me, like with stones, like ready to throw. Can you imagine how she would have felt? But Jesus says to her, I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to throw a stone at you. You know, I've realized sometimes, and I don't know if you guys can can relate with me, but sometimes I feel like I'm more the person who's waiting to throw stones at myself. Kind of self-condemnation, I guess. It's like I've got all these extra arms, you know, just bouncing stones up and down, waiting for when I mess up to be like, told you you're not good enough for that. Or when I don't, yeah, hit the mark that I want to, of course, you know, idiot. Or reminding me of of things that I've done that I regret or or just feeling um, that sense of condemnation or fear or like I need to run. I don't know if anyone feels like that. That maybe sometimes you're the one with the stones. You're the one remembering your past, remembering those things that you wish you didn't do. And so when I read this, God, I really felt like he spoke to me and he said, Tash, do you know that I'm in your circle? Do you know that wherever you are, whether you feel like other people are saying things about you or whether it's just you saying things about do you know that I'm in your circle? And that when I'm in your circle All stones are dropped. All condemnation ceases. All shame flees. And so, what I did is I wrote a list of things that in my mind I thought these are condemnation worthy things. And every single one of them, I'm like, all right, I'm going to give this over to you, God. I'm going to drop this at your feet. You know, not once when we do that, when we come before God and we give these things over to Him, He never once picks them up and says, oh, you commit adultery. Oh, you caved into temptation again? You know, he doesn't say, oh, you drank too much again? You went back to that website? You spent time with those people that you know you shouldn't have? You were prideful? You were selfish? You hurt somebody? You made a bad decision? Oh, he does not throw stones and therefore we shouldn't either we shouldn't throw stones not at ourselves not at anybody you know something that jesus said he said let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her guess what jesus was the only one without sin jesus was the only one who was allowed to throw a stone but he didn't and he doesn't he is ever loving ever forgiving ever cherishing and bringing in our God does not throw stones. I hope that's clear. I've said it a lot of times, but I'm praying that you believe it. And I wanted to read a verse this morning that comes from uh, 1 John 3, verse 19. It says, This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest. We set our hearts at rest in His presence. If our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. And He knows everything. What? We know that we belong to the truth. We set our hearts at rest in His presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. He knows everything. 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 Yet He loves you fully, totally. And my prayer this morning is that if your heart hasn't been at rest, that from this morning that your heart will be at rest in His presence, knowing that God is greater than your heart. And even if your heart is condemning you, even if it's a little bit it's inside of you, that your heart will be set at rest, that the past is gone, that you are a brand new creation. Jesus said to that lady, He said, Go now and and leave your old life behind. Leave this life of sin. He didn't say, okay, cool. You know, I forgive you. Keep doing what you're doing. That's great. Keep it up. He didn't say that. He said, go and leave your life of sin. And that's not a condemnation thought. That's a I have purchased a brand new life for you, a life free from shame, a life free from guilt, a life free from condemnation, and I want you to walk in it. I want you to walk in the new life that I have purchased for you. You know, the Bible says all um, who, oh, what's what's the Bible verse? You're a new creation. Those who are in Jesus Christ are a new creation, that the old is gone and that the new is here. That's the one I was thinking of. That you are a new creation. We have a good God. You know, Jesus kind of does something even even a little bit better than just getting the Pharisees to, to drop the stones before the woman. We know the Bible actually says that the wages of sin is death, which means if you sin, the price that you have to pay is death. You have to pay with life, you know. And Jesus Christ, being the only person who had never sinned, and also to this day and forevermore, the only person who has never sinned, He was the only one who was able to take upon Himself our sin and our punishment that we deserved. And so instead of of this lady, instead of us, receiving the stones, when he was hanging on that cross, remember, fully God, yet fully human, feeling every single nail in his hands and whip on his back. He took the stones that were meant for her, that were meant for you, and that were meant for me, and he bore that on himself. He received the death that we were meant to pay, and he said he gives us life, life abundant and life eternal. Now, going back to Rahab, you might remember how the spies said to Rahab, hey, you you won't be saved unless you hang this scarlet cord outside of your window. I love how the Bible so creatively just weaves in this beautiful imagery of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Because that scarlet robe, that red rope, represents the blood of Jesus Christ. That even though Rahab, she, she did what was right in terms of letting the spies in and, and covering for them and things, but, but that wasn't enough. She had to hang the cord outside of her window to say, I need rescuing. I can't do this myself. And that's what we need to do as well. We need to say to Jesus, hey, if you've never said that before, to, to hang that cord outside of the window of your heart, so to speak, and to say, I need rescuing. I can't do this myself. It's only through the blood of the lamb, the blood that flowed from Jesus Christ on the cross that we are saved, that we are rescued, that we are restored and that we are redeemed. God wants you in his family. He wants you in his family. I want to go to, let's see. Let's go to Matthew 1. I want to show you something kind of cool. That's right, A-train's on it. No need to fear, A-train's here. And Peter, I see, he's helping. It's not working. Who has a Bible? <laughs> Great, Marilyn has a Bible. We're good. Okay. Oh, we're also good because it's here. Thank you, Marilyn. Um, Matthew 1, the genealogy of Jesus, which is the bloodline of Jesus, where Jesus comes from, right? See, at the end, thus, sorry, everyone over here, I'm blocking your way, I'll step back out. Thus, there were 14 generations and all from Abraham to Abraham, to David, to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Mary, oh, I should have said verse 16. Mary was the mother of Jesus who was called the Messiah. Okay, this is the genealogy of Jesus. Now, look right up at the top. In verse, where is it? Verse, I'm trying to look for it. Ah, verse 5. What's this little name here? Ruth, right? What did we read about last week? Ruth. Ruth. She was a part of the, the genealogy of Jesus. Okay, let's go back to the top. Um, it says Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, Who did Jacob marry? Leah and Rebecca. Probably should have only chosen one, but anyway. Leah, right, which we heard about the week before. And verse, verse 5, Salmon, the, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Rahab is literally in the genealogy of Jesus. Ruth, Leah, Rahab, these women who we've heard about, Leah was unwanted. She was discarded. She was forgotten about. She was set aside. Ruth was um, literally brought up worshipping other gods and living a a wrong life in that sense. Rahab was a prostitute. Yet these are the women that God said, I want you in my bloodline. I want you in my family. I want to bring you in. They weren't just collateral. These women were chosen. They were set apart for for the genealogy of Jesus, for the family of God. And that is the same for you. That is the same for me. No matter what, where you are in life, no matter what you've done, no matter what you feel like might hold you back, Jesus sees you. He calls you. He, he died for you so that you could be a part of his family. Last verse for this morning. John 1 verse 12. It says, Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. If you were to continue the genealogy of Jesus right now, you would see that after Jesus is your name. Not underneath it, right next to it. That we become brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ himself. To all who receive him, you become part of the the family of God. Jesus wants you in his family. God wants you in his family. And all we have to do is just hang that scarlet cord out our window. All we got to do is just say, I need rescuing. I can't make it up the hill myself. I need to piggyback Jesus. That's all we need to do is just come before him. And acknowledge that we need a Savior, that we have fallen short, that we can't make it ourselves. And Jesus invites us into His family. He doesn't treat us like a prisoner of war, He doesn't treat us secondary, He treats us like His son. In fact, He calls us His son and His daughter. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Cheap as we have a good God. I want to give an opportunity for, for anyone who hasn't yet hung that scarlet cord out, for anyone who hasn't yet said, Jesus, I need saving. Will you save me? I, I receive the sacrifice that you gave on the cross for me so that I may be free and forgiven So if everyone can close their eyes, I want to ask and give an opportunity to anyone who hasn't yet made that decision, who this morning wants to make that decision. And can I just sneakily add one last bit of Bible um, whilst I remember it? Joshua 2 verse 21. After the spies said to Rahab, make sure you hang that cord out your window. It says here, agreed, she replied, let it be as you say. So she sent them away, they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. It could have been weeks, maybe even months before the army arrived. Yet straight away, she hung the cord out her window. Our life is fragile. We never know when the end is going to arrive. And I encourage you this morning, if you haven't done that, to make that decision this morning, to hang the cord out right away and say, I want you, Jesus. So with every eye closed around this place, if that's you this morning and you are acknowledging your need, your want to be rescued by Jesus, will you raise your hand up in the air? I'm just going to see your hand and then we're going to pray together. Um, I'm not going to get you up the front or embarrass you or anything like that. It's just to simply acknowledge between you and God that I want you, Jesus. So with every eye closed, if that's you this morning, you want to pop your hand up in the air. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. That's so good. Woo-hoo. Is there anyone else this morning? Well, let's pray this prayer together. And if that's you, if you're praying that prayer for the first time, um, God hears it. He sees it. And he rescues right, right, right now, right in this moment. So let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for me. I know I need rescuing. I know I have sinned. And I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. And I ask you into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give a round of applause for those people who made that decision this morning. So good, so good. And if that was you, please head to the Connect Point or come see me or any of our um, pastoral team would love to chat with you. And then the last thing before we go back into worship, you know, you are in the family of God, right? We're in the family of God and we have a good father, yeah, who doesn't throw stones, who doesn't condemn us, who doesn't, you know, look down upon us. He loves us and he brings us in. And I just wanted to pray for anyone who maybe instead you feel like you're still carrying on to some stones, and you feel like it's getting kind of heavy. This morning, let it be the morning that you drop those stones, that you drop that condemnation, that you stop kicking yourself, that you just rise up and, and, and leave that life behind, that you walk in the new creation life that Jesus has purchased for you, free from shame, free from guilt. So let's pray together. And if that's you, why don't you just reach your hands out in in, in front of you and we're going to pray together. Father, we thank you that you don't condemn us. We thank you that you don't drop stones. And I just pray, Lord, right now for anyone who is carrying stones of guilt, remembering the things of the past. Lord, we just pray in Jesus' name that every single one of those stones will be dropped. As we read before that, I pray that people's hearts will be set at rest in your presence, knowing that you are even greater than our hearts if they condemn us. Lord, I just pray for your peace just to cover and to soak every single one of our hearts. That Lord, as we walk out of here this morning, even as we worship now, that we will be worshipping with a joy, knowing that we've been saved, set free, rescued, restored and redeemed. Lord, you are a good God and you deserve all our worship. We love you so much. We praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to infolife.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Life House. God's house, our home.